is my first Sunday of my seventh year as pastor of the Apostolic Tabernacle. And this church has had only two pastors. I am standing in front of you in the will of God, and our bishop is standing right here to my left. And he started this church 50 years ago. Could we just clap our hands and thank God for leadership? Now, I would love for you to, to preach with me and get excited and all of that. And I trust that you will. I hope that you will. But I have a prophetic word for the church today. I don't often preach like I'm going to preach today. And I have wrestled and I have sought God. Of course, I would never stay a day in any state or any church or anywhere out of the will of God. Therefore, every single time we uh, seek the face of God, what is your will? What are you saying? The Lord has said, you are in my will. You're at the place where I want you to be. And today I feel the, the word, the prophetic word, is intended to give us direction. And I'd like to preach today from this message. I'm going to entitle my message, The Miracle of the Seven. The Miracle of the Seven. I believe that this is a prophetic word for the church, not merely an exhortation, which preaching is, of course, but a divine guidance for our destiny. It is more than just a sermon. I'm not, I'm, uh, I'm going to read a, a little bit longer portion of scripture than I usually do, so bear with me. If just take a moment. The Lord is already in our text in Matthew 15, fed the 5,000. How many remember the story of the feeding of the 5,000? And so that's in chapter 14. And there were 12 baskets of bread left over from just a few loaves of bread. In other words, it was a miracle. They fed the 5,000 and 12 basketfuls remained. Because little is much with the God that we serve. Does anybody believe that today? Little is much with our Lord. But God is telling us that our miracle. Our story doesn't end with the feeding of the 5,000. It doesn't end with the great things God has already done. The devil wants us to believe that the best is behind us, but that is not true. The best is ahead of us. Somebody ought to preach with me. Hallelujah. God has the miracle of the seven in store for this church it is the will of God for us to envision and embrace the miracle of the seven. Now let's begin. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet. And he healed them, insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see. In other words, they marveled, and they glorified the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude, because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. 
And I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. And his disciples say unto him, Whence should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? And Jesus saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven. And they said, seven, and a few little fishes. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves. Everybody say the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks. I'm fully aware that in modern English, the plural for fish is fish, but we're reading from the King James, the fishes the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks and break them and gave to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude and they did eat and were filled and they took up of the broken meat that is food that was left seven baskets full and they that did eat were four thousand men beside women and children and he sent away the multitude and took ship and came into the coast of Magdala the miracle of the seven could you set your bible down for just a moment and could we pray together could we lift our hearts however you feel to pray right now Let's ask God to talk to our hearts. Father, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the guidance in a wilderness generation. Lord, we thank you for bread, O oh God, in a very, very, very serious hour. We praise you for yet another year to touch our world. Hallelujah. The miracle of your touch. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And you may be seated. God bless you. The miracle of the seven. So today is the first Sunday of Sister French and I's seventh year. That is to say, we came to Apostolic Tabernacle uh, exactly six years ago. We have completed six years of ministry. And I have been in the perfect will of God being in Georgia. It is the perfect will of God. Now, the day I received my Ph.D. in Birmingham, England, which was July 11, 2011. And by the way, re I'm receiving increasing invitations to preach and do various conferences and so on. Uh, and I have accepted two in the rest of this year. But our priority is pastoring in the Apostolic Tabernacle. But every once in a while, a meeting will come up in which maybe thousands of people, we can have an impact and an influence. And so there is a conference in Seattle in a few months that uh, I'm going to be a, one of the speakers. And uh, there, it is designed for pastors, denominal pastors in the city to come and join us and hear the apostolic message. It's not designed to be uh, us to go and... and and to just get up and preach, it's a special conference. 
And then, of course, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be doing what is today. So, in fact, less than two weeks, I will be doing the Denver conference. And so I, I covet your prayers. But, of course, we're not about doing conferences. We are about doing the will of God. And on July the 11th, 2011, we were voted in as pastor. I got the phone call. I was in England and it said you were voted in as pastor because God had spoken to us. It was the last thing in my mind. It was the, I absolutely never in all of my, in, I would have thought I'd be on the moon before I would have thought I'd be in Atlanta. I never even gave it a thought. I, would, I was just here. I was just preaching. I, would, I had no intentions whatsoever of ending up in Atlanta because the Lord had told me, you're going to go to a very large city and it's all worked out. Just do what I called you to do. And, and, and when it happens, it'll just happen like that. That's exactly how it happened. Praise God. I was in England, got the call. Then we arrived here, Sister French and I. We were in, uh, living in, uh, where? Raleigh, North Carolina at the time, and I was going back and forth to England, and we were completing that. And on the 20th of July, six years ago, we moved all of our things into, into this city. So today marks the beginning of our seventh year. Sister Frencher's mother's quite ill, and she had to be away. She's, she's on the road right now trying to get here. But I, she said, I wish there was some way that we could, I could hear uh, this message and so on and so forth. Because she, she always wants to hear me preach even if it's not the seventh year or the first Sunday of the seventh year and so on. That's just the way she is. She, I, I, she's my favorite singer and I'm her favorite preacher, although she really enjoys our assistance preaching and so on. But I'm still number one, I think, or it used to be. Praise God. So today, the word from God for this church, for this day, is the miracle of the seven. Friday evening, I preached at the new work in Forest Park, uh, it was a pretty good house full, but uh, other than their church and apostolic tabernacle, uh, that was what was there. We had a good crowd, and uh, uh, we are the church that the Lord spoke to us. Last time we were there, they had a hole where they needed a baptistry, and God said, that, you're supposed to be putting that baptistry in there. And I said, Lord, if you'll help us, we'll, we'll find a way. And you uh, came through in just two days, and we bought and paid for it, and I was able to, to see uh, all the dozens and dozens of people that were baptized in the baptistry that this church put in over at Sister Golson's church on Lamar. And, uh, and it is their seventh anniversary. And the power of God was so powerful in the, in the service and in the preaching of the word that at the close of the service, we could hardly get people in the altar fast enough. And four people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Friday night service. We had, of course, vacation Bible school going on here, but I came by and I wore the, the space suit and went in and, and went to Mars and things like that. And I got to fly the ship to, to Venus or wherever I went. And I saw all the world up there in the, you need to go through and see what they did. They turned it into a, a planetarium and it's really, and they're up there now. They're, instead of being in here, hearing me preach, they're up there hearing uh, the teaching and preaching of the of the kids uh, staff and so it was that God reminded me on Friday night that we were in the perfect will of God if we will let God he will do exactly what he said that he would do does anybody believe that today that God is able to do exactly what he said that he would do I wish my voice were stronger <clears throat> but I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna preach the word today so Matthew 15 is by the will of the spirit 
a prophetic word and symbol uh, that previous miracles, in other words, this chapter has been written for centuries, but it is in symbol, a prophetic word to us today, that previous miracles and previous revival are not our final chapter. What we did before does not mean nothing comes ahead. What God did in chapter 14, the feeding of the 5,000, he can do again. God is able to do exactly what he said he would do. In the first miracle, Jesus was handed five loaves of bread. That's what he had. But we have come here in chapter 15 to the miracle of the seven. It has stumped many theologians understanding why Jesus fed 5,000 and then turned around and fed 4,000. Almost within a just go home, change your suit, come back, and I got to feed another 4,000. And I want to tell you today, I am convinced that God is reminding the church in this miracle that God is able to do exactly what he said he would do. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. The crowds had been with them three days, it says in our text, in desert conditions. And Jesus was quite concerned. Of course, they had no food. There were no McDonald's. There was no uh, uh, Chick-fil-A. I never thought I'd see a day that it's Chick-fil-A or help me, Lord. The grandkids. What is it? Why do they? Is it just the playground, you think, or what is it? I mean, I love, I love Chick-fil-A, but mercy be upon us. No Chick-fil-A. No place to get off at exit 218. No, they were out there because they were trusting him. They were listening to his word and something powerful was about to happen. Now, I know there's much more to it than I'm going to say today because I'm focusing only on what the Holy Spirit has spoken to me as prophecy for this church. 4,000 men with families, the Bible said, the women and the children. That means then there were at least 10,000, maybe upwards of 15. We don't know, but if he, if every 4,000 of the men had their families, which it appeared most of them did, which, by the way, is a wonderful message to the last day church. You need to be where Jesus is, and you need to be there with your family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God was very eager to show his compassion and his power one more time. And so Jesus asked, how many loaves have ye? And they said, seven. Something in their souls felt the excitement of the miracle. Something had happened previously. Has anybody here ever been touched by the power of the Holy Ghost before? Hallelujah. Don't ever, don't ever downplay what God has done in the past. Don't ridicule others in the past. This, there's no reason for it. Don't say, oh, they didn't have microphones or they didn't have air conditioning or they didn't have this or they weren't educated. I thank God for every preacher that ever preached the gospel to me in the days gone by. But I can't live on what came yesterday. God has an excitement in the air. How many loaves have ye? And they said, seven. 
Hallelujah. I feel today in the Holy Ghost that God is getting ready to do something in this church that is going to astound the enemy forces. Hell is going to be held back by the power of a God that is greater than any force in this world. Not because we're famous. By the way, Brother uh, Nathan, I meant to uh, tell you congratulations because Brother Nathan and Sister Rachel were number two across Atlanta on FM 93.3 and we thank God for that and the testimony. So that means they're going to be interviewed on radio, they're going to call them Monday, set them up for an interview. Of all of the people across Atlanta, they were voted number two uh, musically, and we thank God for that. That's a, that's a great testimony. Of course, he is my son, and I'm proud of them, but I'm also thankful for the testimony that it leaves. So it is something in the very hearts of these hungry people. Just think about being willing to go to church and set for three days with nothing to eat. Brother French, I can't make it to service because I didn't have my second breakfast. I've never heard that excuse. I just, uh, but you know what I'm saying. Not food enough. Of course, they had foods with them. They could do various things. I'm probably overstressing. But Jesus himself said they were hungry. Something in their souls, though, Begin to feel the excitement of a miracle. What I'm calling today the miracle of the seven because we are entering. Today is the beginning of our seventh year. It is more than that. It is also the excitement of knowing that we have a Jesus that is bigger than any demon. He's more powerful than any force that comes against your children. We're talking about a Jesus that's able to break the bread and give life in the miracle of the seven because Jesus was about to do it all over again. Hallelujah. He's getting ready to do it all over again. Now I want to come against the spirit that says, well, I've done it. I'm tired and I'm moving on. Let somebody else do it. Now I don't mean by that I'm getting old and I can't do what I used to do. I don't mean that. I don't mean not to be normal. Talking about an attitude that says, I've done it before and I don't want to continue believing for the miracle. If we will resist that spirit, if we will not try to clamor for the attention and say, well, who's smarter and who's richer and who's got most and who's what and, and, and begin to clamor for attention. If we begin to clamor for attention, then we will lose the blessing of God. We'll lose the miracle of God. We have to get beyond all of that and begin to realize that what we need is for God to do what he promised that he would do. Is anybody here today hungry for God to do what he promised to do? Now, I want to be very clear that in what we're going to do, and I want to be very clear, I've been here six years, I don't want there to be any doubt about it. I am not changing my message. I am not changing the teaching of repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm not changing that. And I'm not changing that you must live a holy life. You must dress right, walk right, talk right, and live right. I'm not changing that. 
if you have to haul me out. Get an extra heavy-duty stretcher. But if you have to haul me out, and a long one, I need the long model. The Frenches are all tall, so I need a, the long model. But you'll have to haul me out before I would ever submit to a worldly, carnal, ungodly people that say we don't need to live holy. We want Hollywood as our guide. I tell you today, we don't need them as our guide. We've got a guide that brought us out here in the midst of our struggle. And he's going to have compassion upon us. Hallelujah. I wish I had some voice today. Hallelujah. Now let me warn you. Oh, wait. No, let me, let me pause. I absolutely mean it. I'm going to preach the same message from the same book till Jesus comes. I'm not changing. I don't care if you got a Ph.D. in twiddle dee dee. I am not changing what thus saith the word of God. I want to be loving. I want to be kind. I want to be sweet. I want to do everything I ought to do. But the word of God is the word of God. And we're going to stand upon it. That's the kind of preaching. We don't tolerate any other kind of preaching in this pulpit. Of course, one of the things that has allowed us to flourish and see God move in our midst has been, uh, Brother Cole, is that there have been no fetters on this pulpit. Nobody has said, don't you dare preach that to us. You've said, let me hear what thus saith the word of God. Hallelujah. So that's why we're here, because you have unfettered and taken the chains off of the pulpit. That doesn't mean there aren't going to be questions and people that say, why do you dress like that and why do you talk like that and why don't you go here and why don't you go there? Every once in a while, someone will say, I don't quite know why you can't just, you know, do it a little different. Well, here's the reason. I'll explain that one more time. The reason it has to be modest is to go to the Bible. Anybody think we ought to be living by the Bible? Hallelujah. We ought to be living by the Bible and serving God. And it's going to remain that way. Of course, I believe the Lord is coming so soon that I'm preaching this message as though the seventh year, I'm going to just come out with it because I know that I'm, I'm, it's going to, I'm, <laughs> I'm being way too transparent. As though that's all we have is the seventh year. We don't have a, we're not going to have an eighth year. Now, I, I don't mean that we're not going to have an eighth year. I'm not prophesying we're not going to have an eighth year, but I'm preaching it as though the seventh year, like the seven loaves, is symbolic of something God is doing in the very last days. Hallelujah. And I believe that. I believe the Lord is coming. I believe he's coming soon enough that you, you should really, really, really talk to your loved ones about it. In, in, a, in a way that, you know, don't scare them too bad. But uh, you need to tell them, you, you, you know, the Lord is good. And you need to find the Lord and pray for them and love them. And it wouldn't hurt for a tear to run down your face once in a while. It wouldn't hurt for you to talk to them and say, I, I, I worry about you. I love you. I, I, want you to be, I want you to be saved. The Lord is coming. And, and look here in the Bible and, and just share. Folks, the word of God... Anybody love the word of God here today? Hallelujah. 
So let me warn you that the devil wants to steal this miracle. He wants to turn us into greedy, grabbing of vultures, as it were. But the devil is a liar. He thinks that he's going to stop the church or that he's not going to allow the seventh loaf or the seventh year or the miracle to take place. That's what he wants. He'll do everything that he can. Like uh, it wasn't too long ago, our son here, uh, my assistant had, I'm going I'm to be personal, so forgive me. I'm going to use this one. I'm not going to go any deeper than this. But we were pastoring here just a little while back. It's been a year or so when the doctor said, even though he's had four open heart surgeries when he was a, a child uh, he was born with tetralogy and so the first they said it could happen any day and, and they described what would happen and so the first surgery came and then and he was just a little tiny baby and then he was a young two-year-old and the second surgery came and of course sister french isn't here so that's as far as i can go with it because i i've missed the d of course i could just make it up i guess but uh but anyway by the time he was uh, six years old he'd had four open heart surgeries and then he came to this pulpit preaching the truth loving god sacrificing praising God and they said you're going to have to have a fifth open heart surgery that's what, the, that's what they said at uh, of course we'd already heard this I mean, I don't mean we only heard it here but we'd heard it when we were in uh, what's that hospital in well Duke okay but in Indy where you were treated what, what's that hospital called what's that? it starts with an R uh, I can't remember anyway whatever it is when you go are you going to the youth thing? All right, well, look it up. Now, tell me what the name of that hospital is. Uh, I can't remember. It's like Rikers or something. But anyway, uh, the children's hospital there, we, they told us then there's a very good chance that he's going to end up, when he's, once he reaches a certain age, that he'll outgrow what we've done, and he will have to. <laughs> the Indianapolis people are trying to tell me back there, shout it out in Jesus' name. Run! <laughs> That's it. All right. Children, that's right. All right, so they told us that th this problem, I'm not going to go any deeper than this. I'm, I, I know I'm embarrassing him, but I'm trying to tell you that uh, they came, and I'll never forget the, standing right on this pulpit uh, platform, and I said, God, I, 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 can't, I can't bear it. I, I don't want to bear this. I want to see a miracle. I'm asking you to do a miracle on our behalf. And so I, we told the church, and I thought, Lord, this is going to discourage people that say, I thought you had faith. I thought you were a man of God. I thought you, you know, God could do all these things. And then look at, and I wanted to say, hey, we've already been through four surgeries. God has kept him through that, kept our other son through cancer. God is good. Hey, folks, I'm serving God no matter what happens. I'm serving God. But I told God on this very podium, he was preaching. He was actually endangering himself. Preaching from this podium. And I told the Lord, I said, God, you've got to do something. You can heal, whatever, but, but you've got to do something in me. Because I can't bear it. So I went home that night. Sister French, I'll tell you, I'm telling you the exact truth. She's not here to confirm it, but play her the tape. And so I got home and went to bed, and I had a dream. And in the dream, we were in the hospital, and the doctor walked in. I'd never met the doctor. I don't know his name even now. But this, of course, was uh, Emory. And I, uh, uh, I don't remember if I'd ever, I've been to Emory because I pray there all the time. But So 
in my dream, a doctor walked in and Ryan was there. The whole family was there. And the doctor just stood there in my dream and I was in the corner. It's like I was looking in on it. And I heard the doctor say a few words and, and they were expecting to get the, the date for the surgery or whatever was going on. I forget exactly. But the doctor was supposed to give the date, I believe. And, and, uh, and, and we were ready. Already, everybody's ready to go. We're ready to go. And the doctor opened his mouth. First words out of his mouth was, well, Reverend, to my son sitting on the bed, I hate to be the one to say it because our best doctors have said you need this surgery. But after having in, uh, uh, reviewed it all and looked at you and here we are, I'm going to have to tell you I don't know what's happened, but you don't need open heart surgery. That's what, that's what the doctor said in my dream. And, and the Holy Ghost said, I want you to go to church and tell the church that. I said, no, Lord, if I tell the church that, the first thing they're going to think is that I think God has to heal him. And if he doesn't, we're all going to be disappointed. He said, shut up. Go tell that church I gave you this dream. So I went to church and I came right to this pulpit. And I said, I want to say to you right now, I had a dream last night. And in my dream, a doctor walked in and the doctor said, you don't need open heart surgery. And I want you to know that whether that comes to pass or doesn't come to pass, I serve a God that has power over every sickness and every struggle that we face. And the next morning, we got up early in the morning, whenever it was, we went to Emory, we walked in. I'd never been to this part of the hospital we walked in. We went into the room. I was feeling a little uh, nervous, and I was just praying, and, and we all were praying, and we were going to hear the word, and so I, I kind of backed up, and we were waiting, and the nurse said, y'all sit wherever you want, and it was kind of a crow crowded in there, and so I backed up over into the corner, and I kind of got up against a little, a little shelf or something there, and I was, everybody was talking, and and as I began to look around, <laughs> it, was, it was the room in my dream. Of course, you say, I could just hear, you know, I just hear folks, oh, well, all, you know, they're all the same. Well, they may be all the same to you, but I can tell, if you can't tell the difference in a room, you need a special pill. They help, they help you. When you can't look around and, and see what a difference in a room and so I, I recognized in my spirit, I thought, oh, I got kind of my heart started getting a little race, racing a little bit. And, 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 and I'm over in the corner and Sister French, because she's, Sister French is going to cast devils out of everything. I mean, she's, she's ready. She, when the doctor comes in, she's going to lay hands on him and, and say, I want to pray for you. God will keep his hands on you. I mean, I was ready for anything. I mean, Sister French doesn't play around. She's been through it. She walks in there and says, I want to know, do you believe in the power of God? God is able. That's the way she does. And, and I'm over in the corner over here, and I'm looking at it like a panorama or panorama, whatever it's called. What's it called on your phone? Panorama. And I'm looking at it. And I'm getting teary-eyed because I am thinking to myself, boy, my dream, it was just exactly like this. And I'm, I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I don't want to go through this. And so in walks the doctor. 
and I'm kind of uh, reserved, and he shakes my hand, and I, I look right in his eye, and, and uh, he comes over. He's very, very, he's like the head, isn't he the head of cardiology? And so he comes around, and, and I notice that he's very quiet, and everybody's saying, well, we, any questions? And we're all just sort of, and I recognized that's the very same man who I have never met. I saw him in my dream. And I kept, I told Sister French after I told the church, I said, I think the reason God wanted me to tell the church was so that we could build on that as faith. No matter what happens, God gave us a dream. God spoke to us in the midst of it. And that's good enough for me, but, but as I began to watch all of this, I realized my heart was literally pounding in my chest as that doctor walked over behind my son and put his arm around him, sort of patting him on the, on the shoulder behind him. And then he said, well, I hate to be the one to have to say it, and I I couldn't hold the tears back. I was hearing words come from the doctor's mouth. A man I had never met, but yet it was the very words I had heard in my dream. And I thought, what, what's going on here? He said, I know my colleagues. Am I getting close? This, this is the Talmadge version. There's probably a better version out there. This is my version. We, uh, they're good staff. They, they're these. I'm not. I'm not going against my staff. We've all reviewed it now, and it's difficult to fully explain. But, Reverend, I'm just. I hate to disappoint you, but you don't need open heart surgery. I mean. I want to tell you what we're doing in the miracle, in the making that's here today. We're trusting God. We're trusting God. Hallelujah. Can we just lift our hands and give him a little bit of praise right now? Thank you, Jesus. No devil is going to steal this miracle from us. Lord, the miracle of the bread. Praise God. Hallelujah. You see, the enemy wants to steal the seventh symbol's force. He wants to make us believe that the seven loaves have no significance. But I'm telling you today, you listen to this preacher, for us today, it has tremendous significance because the Holy Spirit is talking to us that the miracle of the seventh loaf is upon us. This is our first Sunday. We're breaking the bread. We're trusting God in the midst of it. Somebody ought to lift your hand and say, I am trusting God. The strength of the force of the seventh miracle. Just as the evil Nebuchadnezzar cried out, destroy these Hebrew boys because they refused to bow down to me. That's what the devil thinks of you because you are standing for what is righteous. 
And the way he tries to steal it is to steal the seventh. And so he says, heat that furnace. When I was a kid, my grandpa taught me a song. Oh, heat that furnace. Well, I can't, Sister French, I can't. I know she tells me, please don't sing. But she's not here. Hallelujah. No, I won't sing it. I won't sing it. Heat that furnace seven times hotter were the words of the wicked king. He tries to steal the force of the symbolism of what God is going to do. Somebody in your heart today, you are believing God on the very force that the Holy Ghost is telling us this is our year. Praise God. God has a purpose beyond our ability to grasp. And they can throw us in seven times hotter. But it didn't turn out the way the devil thought it would. Because the seventh level heat destroyed the guards and burned off the, the ropes off of the three Hebrew boys. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not affected by the fire. Hallelujah. It couldn't touch God's people. They walked around in the fire. God took the devil's seventh and turned it into the miracle of the seven. God took what the devil intended. I want somebody to listen to me today. God took what the devil intended and turned it into his own miracle. That's what the seven loaves were. The seven loaves were just seven loaves, but God was able to take it and turn it into something powerful. It isn't how much you are going through, dear saint, or how severe the attack on your life that matters. What is crucial is our faith. I have faith that God can take the seven loaves. Everybody say seven. He can take the seven loaves. Someone said, well, it was five just a week, a week and a half ago. I'm telling you today that God specifically changed the amounts so that it could be a special symbol. It used to be five and two fish. Now it's several fish and seven loaves of bread. What is crucial is that God can take what you have. Here we are. This is our seventh year. If it's handed to him in a dark world, he can make it a blessing in the midst of our darkness. Because God is greater than any Nebuchadnezzar or any force. The anointing of the Spirit is upon us this first Sunday, even though it's July and folks are everywhere and school starting uh, in about a week for many, many of our kids. And, 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 and nobody begrudges people having time to go, Sister French. All the things that need to be done, it needs to be done. But in the midst of it, we need to recognize the anointing of God upon where we are going as a church. God has a plan for us that is bigger than we can even imagine. Can you say praise the Lord? You sought the will of God. We sought the will of God, and we found it. God brought a pastor to this church. God said, heard brother and sister Cole's prayer. They prayed. God's plan is to give us yet another chapter. The devil, devil wants us to think that it cannot be, but as we hand him our seventh loaf, God is able to do what he said that he would do. Can we clap our hands and thank God for it right now? One more time, the spirit binds the enemy. 
He overcomes the fire that was meant to destroy us and gives us the miracle of the seven. The miracle that feeds a hungry world with what we hand him. You say, well, Brother French, you don't understand. I don't have this. I don't have that. You know what God wants? He's not looking for the brightest and the smartest and the richest and the coolest and the cleverest. He's looking for someone that is willing to say, Lord, can you use me? I'm handing you the seven. I'm handing you what I have right here. Somebody's hearing me right now. I feel the Holy Ghost. The miracle that feeds a hungry world is upon us. They said what? Seven. For so many, seven loaves for so many, it's impossible. And so I want to speak to that devil that said seven is not enough. I tell you today, God can do more with your seven than everything this world can give. The miracle is in the heavenly multiplication. God can take what we have and turn it into a mighty church. The question remains, whose family will be fed? Who will be there? Will you believe for the needy and the desperate? Will we think, oh, there's not enough in such a wilderness? Because that is the temptation. And so it is, if we can believe the very people you fear for who are empty and starving spiritually, God will take our seven small loaves and provide for your son and your daughter. If we'll preach righteousness and truth and remain humble, how many knows we ought to try to be like Jesus? That's why we're called Christians. We should try to be like Jesus. Someone came up, I knew he was a, I knew he was a, a <laughs> I knew he was a, I, I can't think of a word I can say uh, properly here. Um, I knew he was a, um, uh, he was lying. Well, we, uh, I don't say a word out loud. I'm not sure what word I can say. Um, a liar? Okay. He was a liar. Um, he was a liar. That's true. Uh, I knew he was lying. I knew he was lying because I knew he was, but uh, that's not surprising. He wanted something from me. And uh, I knew he was wrong. I knew he was playing me. Does that, is, that, is that a bad? I don't know if I should say that. What I mean by that, I have to interpret that. In other words, he was thinking he could say it in a way, and I was a reverend, and I would just have to say whatever. And, and I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. But I knew it was lying. I knew every word he said was lying. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. He didn't know I'd seen him doing the same things, claiming, I, you know, all the things he was claiming. He did it just right up the road there. I knew him. I'd seen him. I wanted to say, Reverend, don't you know I know? I've seen you several times. I know you're lying. I never said that. I never said I, I, can, I could see a liar you, as big as you are uh, with, uh, you know, a mile away. I never said that. I reached out and I put my arms around him and I hugged him. And I said, God bless you, sir. I want to pray for you. I, no, don't, don't, no, let's just pray. I just kept holding on. He was wanting to get away, but I, oh, let me pray for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Finally, he gave in. And I didn't put my hand. I wanted to. I thought I ought to put my hand right on his. But I, I didn't want to be too drastic. I just said, I want to love on you. I want to tell you how much God loves you. I'm going to tell you what. I'm, I'm going to pray that God's going to give you a miracle right now. And I just loved him and prayed for him. Let me tell you something, church. 
Sometimes being like the Lord means that you don't just get to be number one in everything and everybody patting you on the back. There comes a time you just have to be like Jesus. Sometimes you just have to say, this is what God has called the church to be. Some people are ashamed of the seven. They look at it and say, well, all we got seven. But we don't need shame. We need faith. God can save your loved ones even though it seems absolutely impossible. In fact, I'm going to prophesy. You're going to call and you're going to say, Brother French, you're not going to believe who just called me. And I'm going to say, well, I wonder who it is. But I know who it is. It's that loved one that was impossible. God is going to work on them. He's going to multiply his mercies to them. Mercy drops round us are falling. And in the midst of a world of wilderness, God is going to draw them into his presence. The same God who parted the Red Sea takes hold of the bread in our hands and it happens all over again. God is getting ready to part your Red Sea. That's what God is getting ready to do. Musicians, come on. I'm, 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 let's stand. Let's stand. I'm going to stop right here.